Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to join us. I'm the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional, and those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. Today's podcast is part of the HR Daily Advisor's HR Employee Benefits Week, which takes place all this week of April 19th. We'll be offering unique and exciting content every day that discusses, you guessed it, employee benefits. We'll be talking about everything from how the need for benefits has changed over the last year, why including some benefits doesn't matter as much anymore, and which new benefits are a must-have. I've included a link to an overview of the week in the description. In this episode, we are going to discuss these and related topics with Carla DeMello, President of Employee Benefits at GCG, an Alera Group company. Carla is responsible for driving the strategic direction of the Employee Benefits Division, along with all aspects of client experience and operations oversights. As the leader of Employee Benefits, she focuses on ensuring GCG delivers exceptional service by overseeing the teams, solutions, and infrastructure to meet the ever-evolving benefits landscape. Thank you so much, Carla, for joining me today. And thank you for having me, Jim. I couldn't be more excited to join you this morning in this discussion. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, why don't we talk a little bit about, we'll start, we'll start in the benefits realm of uh, the, high, the, there's a new relationship at work now, which is that some people will stay home when, we, when things go back to normal, quote unquote. And uh, a lot of organizations are sort of trying to find a middle ground with these hybrid a hybrid workforce, people that are working at home for some days and are in the office for other days. So to what extent do you think that benefits packages for traditional businesses need to be changed to reflect this change? Um, well, first, your comment about, you know, going back to normal. I think that we've, I think we've evolved uh, into, <laughs> into a different, into a different reality now, right? And employees have an expectation that's completely different than, than they've had in the past. And so as we go back, if you will, into an office environment or to some form of a hybrid office environment, or frankly, as we're struggling with this idea of having some employees that are virtual, some employees that are in person, we're, we're trying to figure out how do, we, how do we navigate those changes, right? So from an HR professional perspective, I mean, I, I, can, uh, I, I can acknowledge some of those concerns and challenges because I'm dealing with them myself as a leader of an employee benefits organization. So for example, you know, we're thinking about do we do we set up technology so that people can uh, sign up for for an office, you know, space for the day that that kind of thing. That's really more generic to the to the HR industry per se. But beyond benefits, I think there's other things we need to think about. I mean, um, thinking about IT security protocols, right? But um, the the pandemic really did confirm that people care about their benefits. And this is what we love about being in the benefits industry is that people <laughs> suddenly are taking an eye and they're having conversations with their, with their neighbors and their friends about their experiences with benefits and their experiences with HR that probably didn't occur as commonplace as, as in the past. Wouldn't you agree with that, Jim? I absolutely do. I mean, benefits are that thing that you had to do that one time in the year. You know, you thought about it a lot when you're looking for a job and then you try not to think about it ever again because it's so <laughs> tedious. Right? That's absolutely true. Right. So um, set it, it and forget it. People talk about right? <laughs> exactly, and you know the complaint I always heard from HR professionals before the pandemic was, I can't get my employees to to look at their benefits or care about them. Um, and I remember one company even they put up in their elevator they had little screens, and they would like display benefit information in the elevator to get people to care. But one of the things I've been hearing since the pandemic is 
people have really started engaging with them because they suddenly realized one, how vulnerable they were, you know, um, what's going to happen. what if I get COVID? What if my wife gets COVID? You know, uh, what, what about, you know, there are other concerns with being at home all the time, but those were really the big ones I think really gave people a, a renewed interest in, in what their organizations were doing for them. I would say that in these uncertain times, and I think the the uncertainty will continue for a while, right? Because we're yeah. dealing with not just not just pandemic uncertainty, we're dealing with economic uncertainty and a number of other changes in our environment. And employees want to feel secure. They want to feel secure financially, emotionally, um, and you know physically. And so, and they look to us to really guide them through that process. So you talk about some forms of engagement. I, I think engagement is critical because we have to answer the question, how are we engaging employees? It's not about just getting to their eyes and ears. I say this um, in my environment all the time, not about just getting to their eyes and ears. You have to actually connect with them. And are we connecting with employees? Is the information that we're giving to them, is it really resonating with what they need to hear and what they need to understand to reach them where they are in those different, again, you know, physically, financially, emotionally, are we reaching them? And so I, I think that's certainly part of it. Now, when you ask the question about the evolving benefits landscape, we do suddenly see uh, an adoption of virtual care, right? My, my parents who are in their upper 70s are using virtual care. Who would have thought, <laughs> right, that, that um, the adoption of virtual care. So there, there are benefits that are get, gaining traction, gaining adoption. I know some of your questions around, you know, mental health benefits. Of course, uh, I think we're seeing less stigma uh, around mental health benefits, which is fantastic. We're seeing that employers are really rallying with their employee base around how they can support mental health, not just through benefits per se, but in that entire employer-employee experience. I think that's really critical to where we're going as well. Yeah, it's the way that the language around employee benefits was both from vendors and HR experts before the pandemic was very much this magic potion if you have this this ingredient list, if you just got all the ingredients right, then you'd get the right people in your organization. And, you know, to a certain extent, that's true because, you know, and I know from experience, when I'm looking at an organization to work there, I'm going to dig as deep into their benefits as I can to understand, is this place a good fit for me? Because it's critical, especially, you know, like my wife and I, I've talked about this before on the show, but when my wife and I were looking, looking around for, uh, she was going to transition to another organization we were planning on having a kid that was our number one concern so on the one hand yes benefits play a major role in in how organizations recruit and how they recruit the right people but on the other hand the pandemic has really shown a very sensitive side to our employees that was always there but has become much more visible and there's no such thing now and maybe there never was as a as a recipe of benefits to get people in the door. It really has to be about more than trying to get people to come into the organization. How do you support the people that are already in there that really need your help now? It's about the employee experience. And uh, and think yeah. about a few years back when we were thinking about employee experience, we were thinking about um, coffee and soda and beer carts. <laughs> and we were thinking about nap pods, right? Those right. were the things we were talking about a few years back. I, th- I think now benefits is, are very personal. And a good benefits program is similar to a good operational infrastructure. When it runs really well, people might not take notice of the particular parts and pieces. Uh, but it, when it doesn't run well, people feel the pain in every every aspect of, of a non-functional benefits program. So it's not just good enough to check the box for sure, right? You really have to customize it to the employee experience, to the, to the employee need. 
uh, it's specific industry by industry too. I know because we talk about the virtual context, but we have to recognize that you know manufacturing industries are still working yep. uh, in right. And and so as we have these conversations, I just never want to uh, forget that there are definitely certain industries that that still have different needs. And so we need to address each one of those needs very specifically. But there there is a, a transition. I mean, think about car allowances, right? How relevant are car allowances when people are all working from home? <laughs> Probably not not quite as relevant. Um, but at the same time, now we might be providing our employees with a full sanitation packet. So again, back to that theme of employees wanting to feel secure and us having that responsibility to make sure that they're, they are secure. Uh, we're seeing uh, needing to, to balance interests of multiple generations. I think the pandemic even brings that out even further, right? Different high-risk needs based on generationally. And how are we meeting those different generations' needs as well? Uh, we have a more dispersed demographic because I, I don't know if you've seen it, Jim, but with uh, COVID, people were saying, you know, I don't need to live in this, you know, yeah. five miles away from my employer, right? I might move out. I might get a little bit more space. Uh, so we're definitely seeing some of that as well. All those things are impacting what employees are looking to gain from their their benefits package, frankly. And I think HR and benefits professionals are really trying to figure out how do I meet those needs? They're very employee centric, very specific to the employee. And if you just have a check the box kind of benefits program, you might feel like you're putting out the right thing, but employees really aren't getting quite what they need out of it. Yeah. I mean, we used to use this phrase, it was total benefits package, right? It's this, you, you, this monolith of benefits that did it all for everybody. And even then, even before the pandemic, people were starting to pull that apart and realize that that wasn't necessarily the best approach. It was more about personalization. You could get more value for your, for the employer, can get more value for their benefits when they're making sure that their people are actually using them, go figure. And the employees could get more value when they could say, well, this is something I don't want to pay for, but this is something I do want to pay for. That move towards personalization, I think, was already happening, but has now never, ever been more important, Right. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that as well. I, th I think we're also, that's one of the reasons why we're seeing a rise of, of voluntary benefits, because voluntary benefits can be very custom to, you know, an individual need. And uh, so we're seeing that, I, I think it goes obviously hand in hand with the pandemic environment too, you know, desires around critical illness, hospital indemnity, but, uh, but just being able to provide a slew of benefits that meets employees where they are, that meets their, their custom needs, uh, you know, for sure, I think that's something that we're definitely seeing in this environment right now. Which leads us to a complexity, which is personalization is hard, right? You got to gather the data, whatever that might be. You have to gather it well, because it's really easy to ask people the wrong questions. Then you have to correct for compliance issues. Like you don't want to offer some people certain benefits and other people other benefits in a way that might be deemed discriminatory, even if that wasn't the intention. And then... You have to effectively execute that complex personalized benefit package. How do, I don't, I mean, I don't think I could do it. How does anybody ever do that? <laughs> it certainly is. It certainly is very challenging. I, I couldn't agree more with you on that. Um, you know, one of the things that we are, we are seeing rise need for is better systems, because our industry actually hasn't quite caught up. We Even pre, pre-pandemic, the industry had not caught up with technology needs, right? All, everything around us was much more technical, much more digital. Our industry still seemed to be quite traditional. Mm. And, um, and and so now speed that up with, with everything that happened in 2020, 2021, the need for digital transformation in our space. 
uh, is more critical than ever. And if we can meet uh, digital transformation in our space, then we can start to address what you're talking about. Obviously, we have to be able to offer those benefit packages, but but couple that with uh, engagement tools that actually, like I mentioned earlier, meet employees not just with their you know with their ears and their eyes, but you know kind of between between all of that too. Um, cut out some of the noise so that really we can engage employees and help them make the decisions that are right for them. I think that's really really important um, as we as we look to the future. At the same time, Jim, in 2020 we had low overall lower cost. To our, to our benefits packages because people really weren't using a lot of their, especially you know more on the medical side, they weren't didn't have the same level of utilization, but everything indicates that's going to catch up to us. Yeah. And so employers are also struggling with, okay, this might sound great, but uh, but I'm I'm bracing myself for for higher cost. So what are we doing with with that idea of higher cost benefits on the horizon? And so that you know that dovetails into other discussions around you know, pharmacy programs, specialty changes. But again, I think the idea is that there's not a one size fits all. We do have to really look at all aspects and avenues of our benefit programs to figure out how do we, how do we address the different needs of, of all the things that we're talking about today? Yeah. That, that savings top, you know, idea that you're talking about, you know, we've had savings this year, but we're going to pay for it later. I mean, that's kind of, that's always kind of been the case. That's an important thing that organizations have to do is they always have to sort of realize that the things that the decisions they're making today might blow up in their face later on, but never more so than now. I mean, it's all been about what can we get out of our employees? How can we make sure that they're still working even though they're home? How can we, you know, keep them on task? And meanwhile, you've got mental illnesses are going through the roof. Mental health challenges are going through the roof. People can't find can't find uh, people to help them. It's, you know, the psychologists and psychiatrists are busy, very busy, you know, all that stuff. You have people sitting in crappy desk chairs uh, uh, that over, it's been a year now of spinal injury. <laughs> and, and I mean, if I was, and I, now if I was looking at this as an HR professional, I would be looking far beyond the impact of your benefits costs right now to, how do we get ahead of this monster that's coming? Cause it's going to be coming. It already has started. People are burning out left and right. It's a, it's a real, it's a real problem. And then there's all, you know, there's all the hidden things too, that we don't even know about. Those are the things that experts and analysts have been talking about, but what about all that other stuff? Just stuff that we didn't, we didn't realize was happening to our employees as they were both those that were stuck at home and those that are still on the front lines dealing with, angry customers are getting mad at them about mass policies and dealing with being afraid of getting sick. It's a, it's a chaotic mess. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's a, it is a challenge, but it's a great time to be in this industry. I mean, because think about the difference and the impact that, that we can have. So I, I'm really passionate about the industry. I'm passionate about, you know, HR and benefits as my background as well. And, you know, you hit on it. I think it's not just about, uh, it's not just about benefits. It's not just about more traditional HR policies, although HR professionals are dealing with that more so now than ever, right? The discussions around leave policies, what their policies are going to be coming back to the office. They're trying to find their way with, you know, what, what should my policies be around, uh, you know, vaccinations and um, even, you know, how, what's my role in the office, et cetera. So, but, but thinking further into the future and thinking about what employees want and what they need, how, what are we doing around developing leaders and talent? because employees want to feel like they're not stagnant 
And and for I think for a part of 2020, we all just kind of stayed and when and we braced ourselves and we hoped that this storm would pass. Uh, but clearly now we've been in this for more than a year and employees want to know, how, what are you doing to invest in me and, and to develop me? so that I have, you know, career, career potential in the future. Uh, you know, so what are we doing in that way? What are we doing to transform a business from a process standpoint, right? Not just to be digital, um, but supporting team collaboration, that spontaneous creativity. I think that's what we're, that's what we're noticing is missing the most from not being in the in-person environment is that spontaneous creativity of, you know, you hear, you hear chatter and you jump into the conversation and you add an idea and something is born out of that. And that, doesn't happen in the same way now. Of course, there are tools for collaboration, but I think that's something that we have to put a lot of thought to. Um, you know, how do we find employees? How do we help them to find a balance? We we used to talk about work life balance, and and I didn't really like the term work life balance because I like to think about integration, right? Work life integration. You bring yourself to work, you take yourself home. Well, now you're just doing it all from the same chair. And to your point, it might not be a very ergonomic friendly chair either. <laughs> uh, so what are we doing with our with our employees in, in that sense? How are we helping them to turn things off and on when they need to be able to disengage or re-engage? Because constant engagement at some point is no longer productive. So yeah. how are we measuring that? How are we even measuring productivity? Uh, you know, I think those are the questions that I find myself wrestling with as an employer. And, and I think the overarching theme there is, again, culture, right? What's an employer's culture in the digital age? How are they, how are they continuing to, uh, to strengthen their culture? Jim, is that something that you've been hearing people talk about? What are your thoughts on that? It is. It definitely is. I mean, culture was one of those things that I think was the easiest thing to get wrong even before the pandemic. Because it requires you to not be what you've been trained to be as a leader or an administrator your whole life which is not about the numbers, not about the statistics, or and certainly not about the bottom line. It's about looking into the depths of your people and saying, who are they? And who and who are we? And how do those two things meet? You know, some people are very good at it, and some people aren't. And if the leaders aren't focused in that way, or just haven't had the experience, or they don't have a great HR person to help them along, it's so easy to get it wrong and to think, I mean, one way to look at it is think of all the, how do I put this? When you're having a conversation with somebody and it doesn't go well, you kind of in your, you kind of think, well, hopefully they understand all these things that I haven't told them that are living inside my head. Right. And you can have these disagreements with people for years over that space that happens at a CEO level where they think, ah, my people got it. They, it's fine. They, they have the same understanding that I have where the CEO might be or the other leaders might be saying, well, they don't know. You know they, they've got to understand what the financials are. They've got to understand that we, we can't move into that space. We can't do this thing. We can't do that thing. But that doesn't necessarily get transmitted. And it's really easy to assume everything's fine when it isn't. And that's never been more clear than now because people took their cultures home with them and if those cultures weren't good to begin with, they took home bad culture into their homes. And there, at the same time that they, they brought whatever that was with them, the ability to connect to their peers and to their employers also fell away. So if they weren't careful, if leaders weren't careful, they could so easily fumble that transition. I mean, it would almost happen automatically unless you put in a dedicated effort to make sure. And then 
I'm sorry. You look like you want to say something. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I was I was I was getting excited as you were talking about it because as benefits consultants and you know our HR and benefits friends might be saying, okay, this is a great conversation, but I don't understand how this applies to me, or this is way <laughs> too much for me to try to tackle. Um, but I do think that that the culture bleeds into the benefits design, and and it very much uh, informs that that benefits you know structure and infrastructure, if you will, and then how employees perceive that, right? How they engage with that. And so one thing very clearly does lead to the next. And Jim, what we're finding, we just recently had a symposium and we, we, we talked about downstream impacts of COVID, right? We talked about kind of what's in the future from a benefit standpoint, but sandwiched between that, we talked about how do we lead our employees through uncertain times? We talked about, you know, connectivity. And I had a, a moderated session with uh, Linda Dooley. She was fantastic on this idea of conscious connectivity. So I think it's all really interconnected. And some of it is going back to the basics, right? Going back to the basics of who are we? Who do we want to be? What's the culture that we're trying to, to build? And benefits right now is a really critical way of building that culture, especially in a virtual environment. And that's what I would say is, you know, when, when you're not all in the same building, you're not all in the same team meeting, uh, and, and you might not all be able to connect in the same way as you did before, what you're, what you're informing people through that benefits design is is and how you're engaging with people and how you're putting yourself out there. You know, I think you had asked about mental health and EAP programs, and and we're finding employers are really wanting to build upon that idea, right? The traditional embedded programs may or may not be sufficient. I mean, some of it was just acknowledging that those programs existed and putting that out to employees. That was a great first step, and now employers are saying, how do we take that the next step? Again, how do we get our industry to catch up with the digital age? How do we get our industry to to get to where our employees are? So I think all those things, they're just, they're connected. Um, and so it's a bit about getting back to the basics and also not getting stuck there, right? Because there, there is a lot that needs to be happening on the, on the HR and benefit side. Absolutely. You can never underestimate how perceptive your employees are. You know, one of the things that historically that I've always kind of laughed at is when an organization makes a sort of laughable attempt to engage you, but you can tell it's not coming from a genuine place. They looked up an article, maybe on the HR Daily Advisor, and got a uh, a ten point list of what to do. You know, and being in this space, I, it's just so obvious when the, when they're just sort of trying to check things off of a list. On the other half of that is a bunch of super intelligent, bright, caring individuals that are dedicating their lives to your organization, and they are going to analyze everything you do. They're going to look at how you talk to them, what you say when you talk, what you're not saying, you know, who you're hiring, who you're firing, what, you know, what the pay situation is like. And they're going to look at your benefits and how they change because they're going to say they're going to be extremely aware of has my organization really considered my position? And if they have, then these benefits will resonate with that. And if they haven't, they won't. And that'll be extremely obvious. We're not, you know, we're not children. We're adults. And we need more than a checklist to get engaged. And that includes how you, how you present your benefits and which ones and why. It goes back to the idea that this is not, that there, we're not going to be going back to what we previously thought is normal. There is a new set of expectations that employees do have. They are engaging with their employer differently. They're engaging with their colleagues differently. They're engaging with their neighbors differently. And all mm -hmm. that is setting out a new set of expectations on you know how they want how they want their employer to show up with them and how frankly how they want to show up as well, and and so I think I think there's dual responsibility in that right. It's not just yes. all about the employer giving giving giving. <laughs> it's about 
uh, meeting meeting that in the middle. Uh, but I do think that there there are certainly you know different expectations as employees look for stability, as they look for security in a world where they don't may not feel a lot of security. They're looking for their employer to to help them uh, in that way where they can. Yeah, and I sh- I should add that on the other end of that, all those bright capable workers want nothing more than to truly engage with their work because there's few things as satisfying as that. You know, when an organization gets you and you and you guys sort of make a an agreement to to move forward together, I mean it can be great. It can be a great thing for everybody to watch to just sort of crank out your work and and, and be given the freedom to do that, whatever that may look like. Uh, employees that are engaged, it goes without saying, employees that are engaged are going to, you know, they're going to show up differently. They're going to be much more productive uh, and, and they're going to be loyal, right? They're going to be much more, much more loyal and committed to, to their roles, their organization. And so it just kind of comes full circle. And a lot of what we're talking about, Jim, isn't all about cost. In fact, a lot of it probably isn't about cost. It's about going back to the basics and figuring out how do we, how do we do the right things in the right way? And some of it does have a cost to it. Some of it ha- might have a cost savings, right? On redesigning programs that may be a little outdated in today's environment, maybe not be as critical to, to employees. Uh, there's a ton of opportunity there. I think, again, it's a great time to be in HR and benefits. I, I, I love it. Um, and it's a great time to be partnering with people that can help you kind of work through those challenges too. Can we get a little bit into the nuts and bolts of what what's really no longer? I know it's different for every organization, but I guess um, on the whole, what benefits are just sort of not really functional anymore? And, and which ones are coming into their own over this last year and still to today? We talked a little bit about virtual medicine, tele- telehealth. That's right. finally, finally the adoption there, right? We talked about some employee perks, maybe not so much benefits, but employee perks that might not be as relevant as they were in the past. Uh, employees are looking for help with student loan repayments. In fact, employees are saying, hey, instead of giving me you know, 401k matching dollars, I'd rather you help me with repaying my loans. And once I get past this hurdle, then I want to invest in my 401k. How do we adapt to that? that need, right? How, but because that's just, we've been hearing it for years and years, but the, it's getting louder and louder, right? The demands are getting louder and louder on that. Um, and then, you know, as people do learn to become more digital, because, you know, I referenced my parents accessing virtual health, but they're still not as digital as, as probably someone who's in their twenties. And so how are we, how are we tailoring, uh, you know, and customizing our products and our programs to meet those different uh, generations? I think those are all things that we really have to be able to address. We talked a little bit about voluntary benefits. I think the voluntary benefits are really here to stay. Employers should be looking at those voluntary benefits and making sure that they cover what the employer thinks that they cover, because back to the point that some of those are still catching up. um, And, you know, there's some assumptions being made on what they're covering and, and employers really should be researching those and making sure that the expectations are aligned on that. Um, as well. And then, you know, uh, integration of products and systems. So from a benefits and in, in overall tech industry, what we're seeing is this idea, this concept of open architecture, which is beautiful. It's, it's long, you know, long overdue. But the idea that, that, you know, they're able and willing to allow different systems, competing systems sometimes to speak to one another in a way that supports HR and benefits professionals. And if we can get those types of solutions right, then we can spend more time on the people. Uh, and so I think those are, that's really a shift in, in this industry that we're seeing. So I guess the next question is, you know, with those new benefits that are, or, or the re- new focus on certain benefits, 
that we've seen over the last year, particularly with mental health, it's and it's something we find in other issues, not just in benefits, is that we spent so much time surviving over the last year that we sort of gathered a bag of tricks that works. And that's what worked last year and into this year. But what about next year? What about the year after? The situation's still evolving. What are what are you predicting in the future is going to be a critical benefit or benefits? Or what do you, you see as the, the next direction that this is all going to take? I agree with your, that's a great statement and a great question too, because I agree with you. I think you know, employees and employers, we all, like I said, we all kind of stood and braced ourselves uh, as we, as we looked into the, you know, faced into the pandemic. And now we're realizing that, you know, looking around again and saying, okay, you know, where are we going from here? What do we need to be doing? Uh, I do think that there is a shift in the industry. There's a shift in the employee expectations, a shift in the employer relationship with employees going forward. Uh, I think we will continue to be more and more remote. And uh, so some of the things that we struggled with before maybe around, you know, remote work policies probably might not struggle with them in the same way. And um, we talked about even, you know, office sharing or desk sharing. I think we're going to see that and we're going to see technology solutions popping up to support that. Uh, there already are solutions in place, but we're going to see more and more solutions in place to support that type of, uh, you know, hybrid, if you will, uh, work environment, I think as well. Uh, I think we're going to work. I talked about employees having a, a different set of expectations and, you know, a little bit around student debt. We talked about connection. I think employees want uh, systems and tools and benefits that help them connect because they, they are only connecting right now when they're on, right? I'm connecting with you because I'm online with you right now. But when yeah. I hang up here, I'm sitting in my home and, you know, how am I connecting with the world at large? And, uh, you know, even as we wear masks, we probably speak less, right? Uh, do you find yourself in, interacting less when you're in a public forum uh, with masks on? So how are we yeah. connecting with people? And employees are gonna, employers are going to need to address those, those needs around connection. Even as we look to the future, I think that's going to continue to be something that there's going to be an implication of what we've gone through in 2020 and 21 so far. Absolutely. Um, well, just one last question is, uh, what, what are we missing? What aren't, what aren't we talking about? What aren't we talking about? I think we've talked about a whole lot of things, right? But <laughs> but I, I think the overarching theme of what we need to consider is that this is an evolution, a constant evolution. And so what we thought in 2019 was certainly very different in 2020. The conversations that were had in 2020, employers were, uh, were just bracing themselves to get into 21. In 21, employers are looking and saying, okay, I think, I think my costs are going to catch up with me. What do I need to be revisiting? And, and I, I, we're certainly going to see a shift in greater and deeper employer conversations, more customization, and more employee-centric benefit programs and designs, more digitization in the space. And that's a constant evolution. Once you get into that space, I and mean, we see it with our technology solutions, with all of our, um, you know, our smartphones, et cetera, right? How quickly, once you get into that loop, how quickly it evolves. And I think we are going to see a very quick evolution in the benefits industry as we move forward. Some things will probably still stay very fundamentally in place, but uh, we're going to start to see a much greater evolution. And so em employers are going to need to brace themselves, brace themselves for change as we move forward. Yeah, that's been, I think, the hardest part is, I mean, where, what's a five-year plan anymore? What's the point of even talking about it? We saw such a, I mean, you can have one, but it's almost futile at this point. Things are changing so quickly. We've had to change immensely into how we approach, how we provide content, how we conduct interviews. Things, so many things we had lined up for 2020 
just turned out to be pointless. We just had to drop them. There were interviews I didn't share because they just didn't matter anymore. And it's not like that stopped. That's just going to keep happening and potentially faster and faster. That ability to adapt, to be adaptable, to be changing and to, and to be comfortable in that is critical. And also something that's not necessarily very easy or automatic, not for individuals and not for organizations. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think there's two points that I would make with that. Two things that come to mind as you talked about. I think the one thing is in, in a faster loop, things do fall out, right? And, and that's just part of what I would expect to see is that things fall out and things are no longer as relevant as they might've been previously. And you might say, okay, this, this seemed hot yesterday and it's not hot today. And we can expect that going forward for sure. And, and then as we look to our maybe three and five year plans, I still think there are some basic fundamental concepts that we can get right and, and we can plan out, right? Culturally, what do we want? What do we want to look like? From a cost perspective, where do we need to be? How do we project those things? And how, how do we project engagement? And then the, the tools and solutions and products to align to that, that might need to evolve. You know, there might be a product out three years from now that is not available today and might completely transform uh, the, the way that we do things. But I think the fundamental principle behind it, we can start to get in place today and get people aligned to that principle and moving towards that principle. And, and that will help set us up for success as we as we face the things that are coming at us in such a new and exciting way. Well said. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for taking the time to join us today. It was a real pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking with you, Jim. This has been a great conversation. Thanks for having me. You're most welcome. And listeners, we're always interested in suggestions you might have for what HR Works should cover next. Please feel free to reach out to us on Twitter at HR Works Podcast. With any thoughts or concerns you have about the podcast in general or just to say hello, I should add, we are also now on Spotify and Audible. So if you prefer listening there, that's, uh, they'll be there for you. Thank you for listening. This is Jim Davis with HR Works.